welcome to the NCTN podcast as we approach the end of the 2018 autumn term. My name is Steve McCormack from the NCTM's communication team and today's topic is early years and the mathematical development that happens when children are very young and how adults who work with children of this age can stimulate and strengthen this development. With me today I have two experts in the field. First, Sue Gifford, who, who is from the Mathematics Education Department at Roehampton University in London, a former teacher and maths consultant with several books and publications to her name. I think it's fair to say that Sue is now regarded as one of the leading experts in England on early years maths. Also with me is my NCTM colleague, Viv Lloyd, who is Assistant Director at the NCTM for Primary and Early Years Mathematics. Hello, both of you. Hello, Viv. Hello. Hello, Sue. Hello. Hello. Right, I'm going to set the scene briefly before we dive into what we're going to call early years mathematics, and we will define that in age terms. But before that, I want to start from birth. Sue, at what stage after year zero does a child start to develop any sort of uh, appreciation of or recognition of anything that might be called mathematical learning? Uh, we do know that babies can notice the difference between numbers of things and uh, so they do experiments with showing babies numbers of dots and they can tell the difference, to, difference between 8 dots and 16 dots. So they actually notice differences in numerosity. So this is babies of months old? Yes, yeah. before the age of one. So, uh, But mainly I think the maths comes out of children noticing similarities and differences and distinguishing things. Um, and then it seems that what is really important is spatial experience, just moving in space and being able to visualise how things will appear from different perspectives. And there's some interesting research that shows that links with, with number understanding later on. So, mm. And just talking about numbers and yeah. moving around and playing with things Viv, leads into maths. Yeah. Viv, what's your sort of gut feeling as to at what age uh, very young children start to develop mathematical thinking? Well, as, as Sue said, obviously so much of how we communicate um, may be language dependent that the children won't necessarily have, have the words. So the, these early researches on, on babies have looked at their facial reactions and responses to different stimuli and that ability to perceive those, those nuanced differences in that way. So we've seen that as early as, as a few months. Um, I remember at being out and about uh, a couple of months ago and, and a, a small child put their, well, a baby, put their hand into a bag of, of crisps and, and they'd been eating one, put their hand in, eat one, and they pulled out two. And the expression on their face of, oh, there's something different. Now, they can't label that as two, but they immediately perceived that that was in some way different. And then actually put one in each hand and then proceeded to carry on their actions. So we noticed these small changes in reaction. And, and we know that cognitively, they're making links, chains of thought around something different is happening here. So that numerosity sense is early developed. Okay, you've used a word numerosity there. Both of you used it in the course of those answers. What does numerosity mean? So numerosity is about the number of things. So it's not about... So if you're showing children some dots in this experiment, it's not about the size of the dots or how close together, but actually the numberness 
that's involved. I've, I've, I've seen both of you use the phrase how manyness as well, mm. which when I first read that phrase, how manyness, that immediately helped me understand what the word numerosity means. So during the course of this conversation, we're going to dig quite deeply into the mathematical thinking and development that goes on between the ages of, now I'll, I'll ask you to help me here, about three and about five, is that fair, Sue? Yeah, yeah. Because um, that's the years where children are just approaching nursery school, maybe in a nursery school and then moving on to reception. And they, they're all five when they leave reception and go into year one. Uh, so those two years are, are, are pretty key, aren't they? Yes, and there'd be a lot of difference in three-year-olds. So you'd get some children doing things at the age of two that some young five-year-olds can't yet do. Yes. And, and that's one of the issues with children coming into school, is that they come from vastly different um, experiences preschool. But what we're going to be talking about are, are developments uh, that all children would go through at some stage of their lives, as you've just said, some earlier than others. Mm. So um, we're, we've recently published some really in-depth uh, material on the NTTM website, uh, which breaks down early years maths into, into six broad areas. And we're going to go through these. I'll just list them right away so we, we recognise them as we're talking about them. They are comparison, cardinality and counting, composition, pattern, shape and space, and measures. We'll, we'll unpick all of those words and find out what they all mean. But first of all, Viv, on the website, those six things are in an order, because one is at the top mm -hmm. of a web page, one is at the bottom. Is there a, a, a reason why they're in that order, or, or do all of these things sort of happen in parallel? Initially, we, we very much wanted to start with, with the number sense aspects. Um, and we'll see, you know, um, a lot of the research has, has indicated how imperative number sense is to emphasising children's basic maths abilities. Um, but we also were, were sensitive to that's only part of the story. Um, so you can see the number ones are grouped together at the, at, at the start of the list, um, but we couldn't not have materials on there that really focused on pattern, shape, space and measures. Um, and... There is a difference, um, and we, we, we talk quite a lot to the people we work with about how you know our number system is, is a human-created structure, so needs to be taught, um, and there's lots of definitions to what a teacher of early years is, uh, but that needs explicit modelling and scaffolding, whereas pattern and shape and space and measures to some point are in the environment and part of their everyday experiences that we can really milk those mathematical moments from. Uh, however, there is a progression within each of these that, that we need to be aware of as practitioners. Okay, Sue? I think um, comparison, I'm increasingly coming to think that comparison is actually an overarching process that applies to all of those aspects. So it is about comparing amounts of stuff and comparing shapes and mm. actually noticing patterns, what's the same and what's different. So actually... Um, the idea of equivalence comes out of, of comparison and so that, um, that is probably the, the beginning. Okay, well let's dive into comparison now and, and comparison is a word which everybody understands, everybody uses it most days of their life but for all sorts of different things. An adult will compare things in all sorts of different ways without really applying their mind as to what they're comparing. 
So in this specific uh, case of the development of early mathematical thinking in three, four and five-year-olds, broadly, what are we talking about when we use the word comparison? And we're talking about lots of different things. Fundamentally, we're talking about perhaps um, more and less with regard to measures and, and with number um, and the sort of uh, comparison of, of just groups of things uh, that we talked about before. But then comparison threads through because you need to have an idea of the meaning of numbers in order to compare numbers. So that's where the cardinality and the counting comes in. So okay, I, we'll come back I, to cardinality in a minute. But <laughs> when, when, uh, what might happen in a, an early years setting for a, a practitioner to, to start to begin to develop an idea of whether a child is developing the skills of comparison. So something like sharing things out fairly and seeing whether everybody's got the same. And young children will be into that, especially if they haven't got as much as somebody else. <laughs> so um, that, it's that kind of scenario that is getting you into more and less and the same as, which is the, the other big key idea there. It's yeah. that, uh, that visual comparison early on of, of seeing um, whether it's plates of particularly food stuff seems to have particular resonance to, to children and one colleague was talking about her, her set of twins who from an early age could identify which plate of food they wanted because they'd perceived which one had more whichever was their favourite food at the time and, and sort of made a grab for that so that visual recognition of, of, of amounts before they label them as, as having five and three and so this one is more you know we, we're, we're sort of working on those prerequisite steps really. And um, so, as you've mentioned, the, the, the comparison is likely to come in all the way through. Mm. Um, what about comparing, we've mentioned more or less, bigger, smaller, that comes into it as well, does it? Uh, a, a big apple against a small apple or a big apple against a small grape, that's all part of what you'd expect children to start noticing early on? Yes, yeah, and that leads into measures of heavier and lighter and uh, and then ideas like, you know, have you got more biscuits if it's crumbled up into little bits than if it's in one lump? Okay, let's move on to the next one, cardinality and counting. Now, cardinality is a good example, for me personally, of a word I had never, ever heard of in my entire life before I started doing a little bit of reading and thinking about early years mathematics. So what does cardinality mean? Uh, so cardinality is, the, is about the meaning of numbers and the how manyness. The how manyness, we touched on that uh, earlier on. Yeah. So I live at house number eight. It, it doesn't have eight rooms. It isn't in even the eighth one in the street. Um, a bus, number 25, isn't that? That's anything? right, a football shirt with the, the ten on the back. Right. These numbers being four... Uh, so that is not cardinality. These are all the most common thing aspects of number that children meet, but actually the key meaning of a number is how many things it means. What, so I've got five, which is five. How much is that? How much is three? Um, so that um, idea of the value of numbers as a number of things, it mm. could be the number of football goals you've scored, but it is, it's about the how many and that's linked to the word counting, and that's, that's a word which everybody does understand, and I did know what it was about, but what's the key link between those two words in this early years mathematics? In, in this, thinking about um, 
you the five principles of counting and, and that children, in order to count, so in order to understand the cardinality, children need to be able to, to tag and count one-to-one -one correspondence. They need to recognise that that final number they count represents that entire set. So one of the things we might see is a child pointing and, and counting pencils or teddy bears and when asked how many there, they'll say one, two, three, four. Well, at that point, they haven't understood that that four count is the final set. So if they're just repeating the count, then yes, we can assess that they can tag and they can one-to-one -one label, but they haven't necessarily understood that that four is the set. So what you, what you want to hear is how many are there? Well, we might count one, two, three, four. There are four there. So making sure that they recognise that final count number represents the value of the set. So, so you need all the skills of counting and, and you know when we talk about to practitioners that the range of counting to count things that you can't necessarily see and touch so maybe sounds listening to to clocks chime and um, and that's abstracting the count these are, are much more complex skills as they may go counting things you can't touch not just lining them up each time and tag counting and it, it's true isn't it that you can hear children just ream off one to twenty because they can count but they, they probably, they, they might not have the real understanding of cardinality, is that fair? Yeah, we call that a string. So they, yeah. they learn the number names as, as a, a chant or a rhyme, there's often rhythm to it, um, but they haven't, they don't necessarily know when to stop that count. Um, and one of those early assessments is, is around going to get from a collection, not just counting the things that are in front of you, but going and collecting a given amount from a larger set and then that will help support if they know they're attaching one to one and they know when to stop. So that's an example is it what a teacher practitioner might do to, to be yeah. absolutely certain <laughs> that they've got this. Send them yeah. over somewhere and bring me back five of those apples please. That's right yeah so that and that is the key uh, piece of research which seems really useful that whether a child can get you five spoons out of a drawer and knows that if they stop at five that means they've got five things that they understand about counting. Two other words that are included in this section. One is subitizing and one is conservation. Subitizing is an example of an, another example of a word I didn't know what, what it meant. So can you take subitizing? What does that mean, please, Sue? So subitizing is what you do when you recognise the five dots on the dice and know that's five, or see the six and know that's six. So it's instantly recognising how many without having to count. And this seems really, really useful for children. It's something they readily do. They have good visual memories. Some of them have very good pattern awareness and they'll instantly recognise those, those patterns. But it also gives children a concept of the number. So if they've got this visual image of, oh yeah, that's four from the four dots on the dice. Oh, they know that there's six, is one hand and one finger. Uh, they've got an idea of the value of the numbers in a visual and in that sense, also a, a physical way. Mm. Now, I mean, maybe naively, I just assumed that when I was young, I just picked up this sabotizing thing and, and, and got on with it and didn't need help picking this up. Now, is that wrong? And if it is wrong, how can practitioners, again, sort of give children a handrail, or should they be giving a handrail to, to, to develop this sabotizing skill early on? There is, there is an intuitive element to subitizing. We've seen it in the natural world with, with herds of animals intuitively subitizing when another pack comes towards them, whether or not to fight or flight. Um, and and we, we've had a certain amount of exposure, I think, and probably 
um, when you were younger, Steve, playing board games, playing dominoes, you know, you, you had those experiences where you saw those images that might have supported that instant recognition. Um, and I think what what the research is indicating is how we need to draw children's attention to it just a little bit more and highlight it in our environment. Um, I was over in Hungary, gosh, about 10 years ago now, and every child in, in um, at, at seven had um, a cube on their desk with a dice representation, and in that cube were double-sided counters. And that's something the children saw every day and used every day and, and used those counters to re represent and recreate numbers. Um, so, you know, with... with as times have moved on, children are more involved in technological games where they're not necessarily having those same experiences. We need to make sure that they, they have their attention drawn to that, but also there's so much more we can do with subitizing that will support later work with com composition of numbers. And, and it comes back to that how manyness, but seeing it in lots of different ways as well. Mm. So subtle ways where a practitioner might just check or just nudge a child in the direction of, of subitizing? Well, I think you know, um, just throwing a dice and seeing how quickly they can say how many it's showing. Rather than going one, two, three, yeah. four, five. And yeah. um, children do vary a lot in their sabotizing ability. So some children need a lot of practice. But what we do find is that if they're having daily practice in sabotizing, that really strengthens their confidence in what the numbers mean. And for children who are number novices, that really, really helps. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Simple dot cards, uh, dominoes, flashing up images, um, having those sort of drawing attention to how many you can see. Because there is that variety in in how that three looks on a dice. It's a very fixed image, um, but then playing around, you can you can download dot cards that have that three in different orientations as well. Because we want the children to recognise three wherever it is, not just and also and also fingers and also fingers <laughs> so can you show me three fingers how many fingers is that yes. that's an example of children sabotizing and um, you, just but a you could ago. also do it auditorily you know going drop 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 of some pennies in a tin yes. da, 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 da. can the children instantly tell you how many sounds there are so those are other forms of sabotizing so it can be kinesthetic and auditory as well as visual it's all that deep understanding of three yeah. Not just recreating the numeral, it's really understanding the threeness, the how manyness that three relates to. Okay, the other word was conservation. Now, again, uh, I'm, I'm not really being flippant, but that to me, that, that word initially meant saving rainforests, mm. uh, conserving water. And it, 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 we're not talking about either of those things, are we? What, what, what are we talking about conservation here? So in conservation, we're, we're thinking about your ability to recognise that if, if you don't add or take anything away from, from an amount, quantity, then the quantity stays the same. So uh, Piaget did some early work on this where he, he um, rearranged the group and asked children, which does it now have more? Um, and, and the idea that if, if those items were stretched out, perhaps, then, then children often said, yes, there's more. Um, when I mean, it's been sort of questioned in terms of what whether the more was actually the quantity or the space that it filled up, but it's that ability to recognise that if you've got a group, nothing's added, nothing's taken away, then then that that group remains the same. The amount the has amount. been conserved, is that? Yes, yes. It goes with your, your lump of play-doh that's in little bits. It looks like you've got more. Yeah. But actually, realising that because you can put it back together again to the same lump, that it's Nothing's still the same changed. amount. 
which mm. if you then think about calculations, if you've got eight and you separate it to six and a two or a five and a three, it's still the eight. So you can see how it starts to feed into those later calculations and approaches. But we're beginning to think that children can do quite a lot and without actually being totally convinced that it stays the same. And even as adults, we could be fooled that we think we've got more when it's uh, spread out or in bits. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm thinking of you know, big, tall, big tall, tall glasses of water, yeah. low yeah. flat yeah. glasses yeah. of water. Yes. That tricks us all as adults, doesn't it, occasionally? Yeah. <laughs> Instinctively and intuitively, sometimes we just get it wrong, don't we? Yeah. Um, composition is the next, is the next uh, category. Who, who's going to... Well, I think we've, we've touched on that already when you start yeah. to think about um, seeing, seeing the, the how manyness and, and composition is really around that knowing that numbers are made up of two or more smaller numbers. So starting to explore the whole number and looking at separating it out into its parts um, and, and how we might do that in a playful way whether it's through colour and identifying dots in that way. There is, there's lots of conversation around whether or not we can see the whole and the parts at the same time, because at this age, um, children's working memory is not as fully developed, so we, get, we see a big um, spurt in brain growth around the five into six in the working memory department. So we don't want to necessarily just go down the route, route of part and whole, we want to look at composition and seeing the numbers that we know really well how do they how might they fall if I've got five beans and some one side's coloured the other five double-sided counters how could those five fall what can we see and we use number talks as an approach to kind of see that through through visual um, pictures get just getting children to see so I might have some um, ladybirds and some are on the leaf and some are under the leaf we talk about what we see. So we might see five all together. We might say that three are on the leaf. We might see that two are under the leaf. And at the heart of that is, is, is getting children to, to notice that an amount can be, can be split up and put back together again. And yeah, so it's the inverse relationship that we talk about between addition and subtraction. But basically, if you can get children to recognise their six on the dice and say, oh, I can see three and three, and the six on the fingers, and they can see five and one, they're learning addition facts in really a very painless way compared with all the sums I used to get children <laughs> to do. You know. Yeah. So composition is, is the early stages of being able to understand and, and do addition and subtraction, is that yes, fair? Yes, and to learn some number facts. <coughs> and if you can draw on your number facts, then that saves you a lot of effort in terms of adding by counting. Yeah. So this is what we're trying to move children towards, okay. is actually using yeah. our knowledge of how numbers are composed. Can you give me some examples of some number facts which... By the age of five, say, just a few examples. Uh, an, an average child in, in the middle of the class might might comfortably have developed. Well, it, it, I think it, it's that. It's a really interesting question, um, because it, it's kind of how is that done? It's it's your context for learning. So if we're expecting rapid recall, you know, answer me now. What's what's four and what makes five? Then, then that's the abstraction of that is quite tricky. Whereas if we've got a play-based approach and um, we've got uh, our five friends and we've got a tent and we know there's five friends and two of them are in the tent, how many are outside the tent, how many are there all together, we can do that in a more playful way. The context and that, it's the abstraction that can make it tricky mm -hmm. for children. 
I think with numbers up to five, you would expect them, you know, so if there's three outside the tent, they could say there were two inside the tent. Yeah. And they'll know things like five and five, and four and four, and three and three. So yeah. they'll, Those they'll sorts of know that. That gives us an idea. Yeah. So we're now moving on to the third three, pattern, shape, and space, and, and, and measures, uh, which are not directly linked to a number system which has been made up by Homo sapiens. They're just, it's just things that happen in the physical world. Pat, can you take Pat and Sue? What, what? Oh, Sue can take Pat and <laughs> all the way to the bank. This is her passion. Well, passion there's pattern. this recent research that shows that children differ in their amount of pattern awareness. Like we're talking, some children notice numbers more. Um, and that this predicts their later maths performance. And we're not quite sure why, but it, some of it goes back to that noticing what's the same, what's different, noticing regularity being able to predict on the basis of sequences that you've seen, which is obviously broader mm. uh, facility that, that links with science. Uh, and the relationship, well. that the mathematical relationship at the heart of patterns is, is a bigger math concept, isn't it? That yeah. starts with, with that early pattern. But, uh, you know, in the, the five dots on the dice, noticing the regularity in the way that they are arranged, some children will tune into that equal spacing, the four one in the each square, corner, one in the middle, in the middle mm-hmm. and, and, and recognise the equal size of the dots and the equal spacing and the regularity of that. So it's about drawing children's attention to that and being then looking closely, but also with repeating patterns, we're finding that if children can identify what is the bit that is being repeated, then they're beginning to analyse patterns, but also to be able to talk about groups as single things. We think that leads into multiplication. But we do notice if you're asking children to copy a pattern, like the five dots on the dice pattern, that some children will copy it exactly and others will just do you a load <coughs> of dots. And so that gives you some signals as to what, what they're seeing or what they're noticing at the time. Okay. Well, you've done some work, haven't you? And the, the number of attributes in a pattern that they can tune into. So you might get the dots, so they've tuned into the fact they need to do something with dots. Or they might get the five, or you might get something around the square shape. Mm. But to get all three is complex. Okay. Shape and space. I mean, there's the next category. I mean, we've t- just touched on that a little bit. But again, shape and space are two words which everybody understands. And the, the, the phrase shape and space has been used in mathematics right up to key stage three, mm. key stage four now. So it's a, it's a phrase which will be familiar to teachers and maybe to, to, to you know, the, the young practitioner who's, who's experienced GCSE quite recently in their lives, they will probably have had shape and space written on the board at school. So what, what are the shape and space um, elements which you'd expect three, four, five-year-old children to start noticing and, and developing? I think what we've focused on a lot is naming shapes, right. and uh, which can sometimes be barking at shapes, yeah square triangle and the space I think we've focused on quite importantly the language of going under and over and through and between so it's positional and directional language but what we're thinking now is that actually the key thing is being able to visualize what things look like and to mentally rotate objects and, and to imagine what they how they would appear if they've been right. turned around and I'm saying there's there is some research that's showing 
that that ability, like the pattern awareness, links <coughs> with more general mathematical performance later on. Okay, and the final section is measures. Um, again, we're talking about just the physical world, are we, in measures, or is there, is there an abstract element to measures as well mm. in the early years? It's interesting stuff with speed, isn't there? Yes. Of uh, the idea that about going faster or slower, which obviously is linked to distance, mm. but it does seem that some young children will get the idea that, um, uh, that if you have a user timer, that the, if you've used fewer seconds, you've actually mm. gone faster. Mm. But though, I mean, that's the top end, I think. Yes. But we do find that young children are they're able to see that it takes longer to fill up a sand tray with a teaspoon than it does with a bucket. Yeah. So they get su- they've got some kind of ideas of how units are used to, to measure. But to start with, what we're really doing is distinguishing, you know, if it's the big teddy, is that the heavy teddy or the tall teddy? Are we talking about volume or weight? Um, so linking into comparison again, yes. but maybe being a bit more precise with comparison. Oh, so what it is that you're looking at? Are, yeah. you, are you comparing area or are you looking at the shape here? And what sort of things would we see happening in, I won't use the word classrooms, because it's not classrooms, is it? But whatever space that three, four and five-year-olds get. Lots get. of opportunities to explore filling with mm. things of different sizes. I mean, we want, ideally, to a generalisation that when you, you've got a bigger thing to put in, then you need less of them than when you've got a smaller thing, which will later feed into their understanding of, of standard units. Um, so we see um, more and more settings have, have got the idea that an estimation station, where they look at containers that have been filled with different things and estimate how many have gone in, but that's to support that generalisation. If I'm filling my jar with pine cones, there might be 10. If I'm filling it with buttons, there might be 150. Um, different size containers in sand and water play. Um, we've seen uh, one of our hubs has done some work on sabotaging snack and looking at um, one of their sabotages was putting different spoons, different types of spoons out to put cereal into bowls for children and which is the better spoon to fill a bowl. Sabotaging? Sabotaging snack time. <laughs> so it's using an established routine in a yes. setting uh, to expose some more mathematical understanding. So they, they prepare a tray, and it might be that five children are having snack that day, but there might only be four bananas. So there's a different conundrum for them to solve each day oh. through the snack time routine. So it just gets some maths into every moment. I hadn't heard that word used before in the context of, of maths, but still, why not? Um, at what stage do the actual units come in? A centimetre, a gram, a foot, a mile, a kilometre? Is, is that Does any of those come in <coughs> in this age group we're talking about? Only experientially. I think we don't expect them to understand them until they're six or seven. But certainly, you know, young children are used to being weighed and measured and they hear adults talking about these things and they, and they are very interested in using scales and measuring tapes and, mm. and timers and, of course, clocks and calendars. Mm. So a lot of that is just familiarising themselves with these things that are part of the adult world. OK, well, we've, we've gone through the, the six areas and we've sort of been imagining children between the ages of about three and about five 
there's all sorts of other things going on in their lives, of course, in these two and two and a bit years of their early life. Can we put the, the mathematical development that we've been talking about, can we put that in the context of the, the development of the whole child, which is going on at the same time in parallel? Well, there is some interesting research that shows that uh, a child's early maths development predicts their more their general later development, whereas we would have gone to say language predicts later school achievement, but in fact the maths is predicting the language rather than the other way around, but that may be a correlation to do with, with home environments and, mm. and, and such like. But yeah. If a language expert was here right now sitting alongside us, would he or she challenge that, do you Absolutely. think? Absolutely. They would. We'd have a lively debate, wouldn't we? If, where do you put the, the mathematical development in the overall context of a, of a child's development? Well, I mean, speaking to somebody that's passionate about maths, it's hard not to say. It. And I, you know, I sort of have access the same research as Sue on that one, and kind of I find that really interesting because certainly when you're in practice, um, the literacy is pushed in terms of action plans and priority areas. Um, I'm interested in language and and how we use language um, across the board, but particularly the language of, of, of mathematics, not just in the vocabulary, but in sustained shared thinking to explore um, the concepts, to co-construct concepts and to have conversations around that. And I think the language has got a huge part to play in, in that child's ongoing educational journey. Um, and I think math sometimes gets lost in some of that discussion, so I'm quite keen to promote that. Um, I also think that... You know, we, we go into some fantastic settings um, with with amazing provision, but it's about the, the pedagogy and the approaches of, and the subject knowledge of practitioners to really highlight the mathematical moments through everyday routines, through um, the provision that, that's put in, in areas, through the, the interactions of adults with children. Um, but they're balancing that with the social and emotional um, care, the... You know, I, I always feel for the first day of, of September when you've got children, 30 children from vastly different settings coming together to be part of this new reception class and how we manage to provide those experiences for children that are very different to give them that, that equal access to, to give them a strong platform to move forward in their school career from. So we need the emotional well-being. We, we want the characteristics of effective learning to be part of all of our provision um, and really get them to be resilient risk-takers in a play-based but not be afraid to have those adult interactions that, that will move their mathematical learning on. But also, I think early years maths, my mantra is do it huge and outdoors so that you're linking in with the needs of children to have gross motor development but also the fact that just want to be outdoors. So do it huge. What do you mean by the word huge? Do large scale activities. So right. have everything on a on a larger scale. And outdoors. And outdoors. And it's, it struck me. You both used the word language quite a lot in the past half mm. hour. So that naturally uh, links to the uh, the language development going yes. going on in a child. That you can't yeah. separate the two at all. Can it's you? not. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say maths is the be-all and end-all, but the interesting thing, for instance, with the pattern is that we're finding children's social skills improve by pattern work because they tend to share their patterns with each other and spot deliberate mistakes that they're making for each other. So, And their language and explaining um, 
is coming on through the pattern work, which of course links with art and creativity and, and uh, dance and music and all sorts of things. So and stories and you know, poems and phonics and things. So maths can interlink perhaps quite a lot more than people who are more wary of maths um, realise. Okay, that's a good that's a good thought to end on. Uh, I think we've given a, you, you've given us a, a good flavour of um, what is there on the NCTM website in much more depth. So if you've enjoyed listening to us here today, go to the website and you can just take your time working your way through those uh, six areas, going back to them. If, if you've experienced something that you'd like to think about more, uh, they're there. Um, they're there to help you in your job. But thank you, Sue, and thank you, Viv, very much. Um, every maths hub in the country is this year, that's 2018-19, uh, taking part in an early year's maths project and uh, it, it might not be too late for you to sign on to one of these projects. So by all means contact your local maths hub, which you can find at uh, mathshubs.org.uk, find your hub, to see whether or not there, there is a place available in one of their projects this year. If not, it's highly likely there will be something running next year as well. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, you might be interested in listening to some of the others uh, which are on our website. We do two every half term. There's a link on the homepage on our website. They cover topics from early years right through to A-level. And you can, of course, also subscribe to your usual podcast provider and you'll get notified then every time there is a new one. And if you like them, please say nice things about what you've heard uh, so that um, as more teachers and their practitioners can uh, hear the podcast that we produce. But um, for that's it for today. Thank you again, Sue. Thank you, Viv. Uh, there'll be another podcast sometime between now and Christmas. And thanks for listening. But for now, goodbye.